0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
1: Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.
2: Straight
0: away. Elio trying to get sneaky. Maury Rose, the two time
1: winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Puts his hand out of the cockpit
3: and says. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is. Stuck with me as per usual. We had a eventful mid Ohio weekend. Thank you to Team Pit Lane member Michael Goodier for being my co pilot on both legs of the trip. It's about 480 miles each way, and it was a lot of fun. Where do you want to start first, Matt?
2: Is he okay? I don't know. Do we? Okay, I, Michael, somebody, when you're listening to this, please text me. <laughs> i need to make sure that you made it through the week all right well as our continuing tradition continues i'm going to start off with a non-racing thing so this is uh one that mike texted me uh a couple weeks ago he sent me this tiktok <laughs> which as a millennial i don't know what a tiktok is i call it talks to my friend and uh, she hates okay. it; she thinks it's cringy uh, so he sent me this talk and it was this Minnesota guy <laughs> who poured us. So there's several things wrong with the video. First of all, he introduces himself and says, hey, guys, I'm here to show you what a Minnesota beer is. You take this here light beer. can be any light beer because they all taste the same, which is step one for bullshit, by the way, because there is no Minnesotan in Minnesota. Obviously, exaggeration. But everybody says in Minnesota that Michelob Golden Light is the best beer because that is our official state beer. And if someone's sitting here trying to sell you the fact that Bud Light is better than McGolden, Golden, they're wrong. They're just flat wrong. So that was step one to I already knew this guy was full of shit. But the next one was you take this light beer, you pour it in a glass, and then you take this pickle and plop it in there. And that's a Minnesota beer. Never seen that in a Minnesota restaurant. Never had one sold to me. The only the only thing I see people put into beer is olives in Minnesota. I never see any other anything put into a beer in Minnesota. So call them BS on that one. But it got me thinking, Mike. Yeah. And I obviously there's there's one very common answer for you, but I wanted to know if there was others. You're in the Philly area. Yeah. Is there any like hidden? Well, we know of. The cheesesteak, or as I say, the Philly cheesesteak, and as most commoners say, the Philly cheesesteak. But you just say the cheesesteak because you're fancy or something. Is there any hidden gem slash unique to Philadelphia foods that people need to know about?
3: Obviously, the cheesesteak would be number one. There's actually, there's there's quite a few. Now, some of these aren't necessarily regular. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip that one.
2: Are they good at least?
3: Some are good, some eh, not not so much. Like so french fries with old bay seasoning, which you just discovered <laughs> like 3 weeks ago is actually a pretty kind of like Philly iconic food with a little bit of cheese sauce on the side. They're called crab fries. Obviously not too creative with the name, but I love them.
2: Shout Let's, out to uh shout out to Jay who's probably listening to this in September. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so also <laughs> Uh, Philly soft pretzels which are made very different than your kind of like generic soft pretzel that you get at a convenience store are really? like yes I don't know I don't know how to describe it but they are I mean you can literally buy it for like 50 cents from like a strange man walking in the middle of like a an intersection and they're just as good so that would be have, one
2: that must be an East Coast thing because scumbag Jack posts those all the time on his, yeah. his Snapchat
3: yeah uh nope i don't care about that I don't care about that i'm actually looking at it at a list
2: you're like cheating
3: well i just want to make sure i i don't miss anything important no oh, that's stupid i i would say those are kind of the big well, ones but since since you talked about a talk that was about drinking now this might be called something different in different cities but in Philly, we call it a citywide when you get a shot and a beer for like three bucks or four bucks, and it's never good beer or good liquor, but it's called a citywide. You can walk into the bar and ask for a citywide and, and and get what you want right away.
2: So you get like a sixteen ounce beer and a shot. Yep. Yeah, we went to Chicago and asked for a. My friend asked for a bloody with a beer bump. Do you know what a beer bump is?
3: Sounds very disturbing. No.
2: No, it's just a, a shot of beer. So, like, you get a Bloody okay. Mary with, like, a shot of beer. But, like, they thought we were speaking Mandarin or something. It was kind of crazy. They never heard of that. So, and then just for the record, where is the best cheesesteak in Philly, just in case anybody <laughs> wanders over there?
3: So, my favorite, don't don't go to Pat's or Gino's. Please don't do the tourist trap. Go to a place called Sonny's on 3rd and Market Street, I believe. Sunny Steaks, 3rd Market. You can't beat it.
2: All right, well, when I get there in 30 years, I will try it out. Let's see. For Minnesota, the there's a couple that kind of float to the top. First of all, we don't call it casserole over here. It's called hot dish, and tater tot Weird. hot dish is a kind of Minnesota staple. Um, I would try that. I don't like hot dishes personally, but uh, I could see if you out there like casserole, it would probably be your thing.
3: I eat everything, so...
2: The main one, though, the kind of really famous Minnesota thing is called a Juicy Lucy. It's where you take uh, two burger patties, you know, grill them next to each other, and then on one, as you're getting close to being done, you put cheese on it, and then any sort of other toppings that aren't vegetables, so like bacon or caramelized onions or whatever. And then the second patty, as that's kind of melting in the one patty, you take a second patty, fold it on top of it, and press the outsides together, and it keeps all the ingredients in there. And then you put your lettuce and tomato, whatever, put it on a bun, and so when the burger is served to you, the cheese is all melty inside, and... I've had really good ones and I've had really bad ones. The worst is when the cheese is so hot that it just oozes all into your mouth on your first bite and burns your tongue. That's the worst. Or it all just comes out the backside. Uh, But a good executed Juicy Lucy is phenomenal. The best one, in my opinion, in the cities, if you ever get to the Twin Cities area, is Matt's Bar in South Minneapolis. They claim to be the. There's kind of a rivalry between two restaurants and who invented that. Uh, but I did see some, of course, they're from the East Coast. Some restaurant over there, they just make a burger patty and then they take like a medical syringe and then just pump in like nacho cheese. I've and seen I see that on like the cooking channel. Yeah, I about threw up. That was such an insult and disgrace to the Twin Cities area. So, anyways, hopefully you're not watching this like before breakfast or something. I don't know if we Star- just made you hungry sta- or I'm literally starving now
3: that we're talking. I, about I know. This. Or
2: we just made you throw up. Because cheesesteaks are overrated. <laughs> Anyways, we had a race. Oh, stop. You can't just do that because you control the soundboard. I can. Yeah, I guess you can. We just had a race. Top five from Mid-Ohio, Joseph Newgarden. It, is Ju- it was July 4th, Mercaday. Day. That was the first win of the season for Team Penske. Could you believe it? Marcus Erickson second, Alex Palou third, Scott Dixon fourth, Rossi. I hope he didn't qual or classify it as a r- irrelevant day cuz top 5 is nothing to be ashamed of. Uh where do you want to start? You want to start with uh, kind of the finish there between Joseph and Erickson?
3: Yeah, let's let's start with the end and and work our way back. So with I don't know what was it, maybe 10, 12 laps to go, he was Six seconds back? At least after the last pit stop, he was around six to seven seconds back. And now I couldn't tweet anything because I had absolutely zero cell reception in the middle of Ohio. But I noticed on lap eight, it was like four seconds. And little by little, every lap, it was ticking down and down. And and I know you tweeted this because I saw it later that it went from like 4.3 to 3.2 in one lap, so it was really taking out a chunk of time there. So before I kind of give the what I heard in the press conference answer, did you think he had what it took one more lap? What what did Marcus need to make it work?
2: I think he needed a lot of push to pass. I uh I don't I don't know if he was gonna be able to make it happen just because it's such a tough place to pass, except for turn three. So I don't know. I it, They always say catching is one thing, passing is another, and I don't think Joseph was just going to let him go by. So I know Joseph was losing a lot of time in the middle sector, and it's so difficult to pass there. So I, I genuinely don't think Marcus was going to a- be able to do it unless he had a handful of laps, not just like one or two. I was thinking more like five or six. He may have been able to do it, but, um, yeah, I don't think he was just going to get immediately past him if he caught him.
3: I was intrigued when I saw a handful of lapped traffic cars in front of Newgarden, but I think Newgarden would have had to catch them really quick in that for, you know, hypothetical next lap in order for Erickson to have a chance. Yeah, otherwise, it would have probably taken a couple laps. But he certainly did make it interesting because the second half of the race, I mean, really once the caution's kind of... Uh, Work their work themselves out. There wasn't too much going on.
2: No, it was your typical middle high race. Like, we've had some good ones recently, and this wasn't the, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't a great race by any stretch of the imagination. I uh, I kind of wonder if Colton Herda has if he's done uh, maligning his pit crew behind the scenes this week, and maybe the the pit wall too, because that was. A pretty atrocious effort by them this weekend.
3: Yeah. So bad.
2: He, there was the uh, the feeling issue. Then he stalled. And I know he was getting a little frustrated with some of the radio calls, too. Yeah. About, hey, you need to use push to pass. And he's like, I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I got uh, this, Dad.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably a weird dynamic with his dad. but So he had a... Uh, Theoretically, I mean, he, was, he he could have been the winner of the race if because he had a pretty good gap to Newgarden going until yep. that first one, but knowing what what we know now and knowing Newgarden's balance issues on that final stint, that that could have been a win for him. So that's pretty devastating. What so we just got done with our F one episode and the whole five second penalties and all that nonsense we saw over there. Power versus Dixon. Do you lay blame at any one driver for that, and do you think no call was the right decision by race control?
3: No call was the right call. I think Power was trying to pass at a spot that was going to be very tough, and he just kind of ran out of real estate and made a little bit of contact with one of Dixon's wheels. I don't remember which one it was, and and got spun around.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. I think his front wheel hit Dixon's rear wheel and spun him around, and it's not a place I would I would think willpower would force that, especially on lap four or five after the first caution, but I don't think it was worthy of a penalty by anybody.
2: Yeah, I think he was just trying to keep a nose in to keep Dixon offline as they went into the middle sector. I think once they got to the corner where the incident was, with as far uh, as far ahead as Dixon was, it kinda was one of those all right, maybe I should try again later, but I I just think it was kind of a millimetric error. It wasn't a huge overbreak and uh to Dixon's credit he left room, which is foreign to what we saw in Formula One, where, you know, leaving room on corner entry and exit is optional apparently but uh, he left him room and it just kind of a racing deal so yeah i was glad there was no harsh penalties given out yeah. or anything cuz that would have been pretty unfair and then ed jones collected
3: <laughs> yeah you listen we've we've given ed plenty of grief he literally couldn't see a thing no you know, what do you, what do you do there you, you go to either worse. side he he runs into a car either way he goes straight he can't see anything he doesn't know where power is like that's one of those times where you, you you do genuinely just go sucks for Ed because he didn't stand a chance of making it through there no matter what he did. So it's unfortunate that it that it happened, but no no blame on that one. But what about the opening caution where a couple guys checked up then Hinch bumped into Hunter Ray, then it was like an accordion effect and Rosenquist also spun I think he was the only that was it was just the three of them or, that were really involved, but what did you make of that whole situation and aftermath
2: it was uh it was weird. I didn't see on the replay kind of what I'm thinking Ray Hall on the outside got stacked, and then I think a bunch of people ended up in the outside lane on turn three and then so by the time people started checking up, it just got back to. Hinch and uh, Hunter Ray. <laughs> and, um, this, yeah, I mean, of course, the one-time Hinch actually qualifies pretty decently. They yeah. get something that goes wrong. It's kind of par for the course, really, for them. And um, didn't really recover. He kind of went, got up to P17. So he got past some cars, but he got past chilton norman kellett johnson not exactly a, a banner list of people to get around so and then harvey had a strategy failure so he got around him too so not exactly like he went out there and, and beat some of the bigger names in the series so uh that was tough feel bad for rosenquist too um he also had a semi-decently okay qualifying that was ruined hunter ray take it or leave it i guess I mean, he had a good qualifying but I think it's kind of a microcosm of their current situation, all three of them, really.
3: Yeah, I, man, Hinch had a good weekend all around and then just you know a couple guys check up and he hits his teammate and isn't really able to recover. I'm sure he might have had a little bit of damage that uh, we couldn't see on the car. I don't know for sure, but you just, God damn, James, James Hemscliff. I hope I hope he has a copious amount of whiskey or whatever he, he prefers to drink for the next month because he he needs it.
2: Yeah, it's been tough uh, tough going. Not sure there's anything else that really. Oh oh, I also forgot. I th- what, what what happened to Hurt on that last end? We already talked about kind of some of their yeah I- issues, but did so, he just run out of? Did he just short fill on the last one accidentally or something?
3: Yeah, they ran out of gas. They were hoping I guess his. Car Radio said put it in in map eight, which I'm I'm guessing is, you know, ultra fuel save mode, but then about a quarter of a lap later it went, listen, you bud, you have to pit, we're not going to make it. And there was still some confusion. Uh, Angsty Herda was angsty on the radio, but, you know, they pit for a quick splash with, uh, I think, two laps to go, and unfortunately he dropped from, I don't know, seventh or eighth-ish to, where did he finish here, 13th. Just making a bad day even worse.
2: All right, should we do some uh, driver of the day here? Who was your uh, driver of the day?
3: Let's go with Alex Palou. Adds to his championship lead a little bit. Started seventh, finished there, so you know didn't make it to the fast six. Was obviously just outside of it, but wasn't you know top five car all weekend. And strategy wise, just timed that last the last pit stop right and jump from fifth to third and and came home 10 seconds ahead of his his teammate Scott Dixon and and yeah I mean he had a had a hell of a race to come home with a podium and come away with a nearly a 40 point advantage in the championship with now six races left and a, and a month off that I'm sure he'll be much less stressed than, than some of the other drivers out there.
2: I am going to say, Marcus Erickson, i don't know, was it? i mean good qualifying one. third finishing second almost catching joseph at the end was really the only person in joseph's zip code that whole week or the whole race other' heard of at the beginning i uh yeah I have really nothing negative to say about him i think he's turned his season around he's 15 <laughs> points can ask he's got three in the top five that's pretty crazy uh so yeah good for him i think he uh he's probably looking at the rest of the schedule here and salivating because he's one of the top drivers on road courses so far this season as far as points. And we got five road courses left out of six. So I think he's positioned well for actually a really good championship finish, which is hopefully going to make for some positive momentum for him going forward. All right. Who disappointed you?
3: Will Power. I mean, started fourth, was looking mighty racy, and just got too aggressive trying to make a move when he didn't need to. I,
2: don't, I, I think. Just leave it at that. Oh, well, you picked him as your bad pick, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Jack Harvey. and sound, well. So first of all, the qualifying didn't go their way. Apparently, it wasn't communicated to Jack that his time was more than good enough to get him into the next right. round. So he then pushed on his lap that caused a red flag because he thinks he thought he needed to do it to move on. And yeah, that's uh it's another one of those kind of shouldn't happen things. And so of course he started twenty third on a track that's very difficult to pass and they gambled on strategy and it didn't work. So somewhat on Jack Harvey for spinning a red flag or causing the red flag, but the team I think is again letting him down, which is kinda sad. Yucky. And
3: can I rant about that for a second?
2: Go ahead. Okay.
3: Thank you. So, the actual penalty, yeah, it, it's, it sucks. They obviously miscommunicated. But, so we, we essentially ran most of the first seven laps under caution. So, the stint, the pit stint should have been about 27 laps if everything was green. So, you think, okay, I can get to lap 30, 33. One, maybe I think that's when a lot of guys kind of did their pit was late 20s, early 30s. Jack Harvey pit on lap 16. I just and and I get okay, we're going off strategy because we're starting in the back. Road, um, Road America, mid Ohio, as Mike Hull tweeted out before the race, historically has about eight percent of its laps run under caution, which I think was almost exactly the number from this weekend. So if you're going for a race that is mainly run under green, I don't think going off strategy that early is in rem- remotely a good decision. I just didn't understand it.
2: Nope. Maybe you should join the team. Think you could Maybe. do the strategy?
3: I I'd, Listen, I'd probably screw up. Listen, look at me here. I, uh, that's why I'm here, and they're getting paid.
2: Right. Getting paid for now, though. All right. You had, as your good prediction, Graham Hall. P six, good job. Solid.
3: All right. I had Will Power,
2: second to last, (laughs) second DFL. Love that. Uh, Bad prediction. I had Jack Harvey, who I just ranted about being bad. You finished P nineteen. You had Will Power, who you just ranted about being bad. You finished P twenty five. Dark Horse top ten. I had Felix, twenty third. Not his fault though. Looking decent after qualifying. You had Hinch. He started S- in the top ten.
3: I I going into Sunday, I was like, "Wow, this pick is looking really good." And his team was very pumped up after after Saturday that I, when when uh, and I spoke to them. But such is life,
2: I guess. All right, you got to interview somebody that tested today. You want to talk about yeah. that and her Before- test, maybe.
3: Yeah, before, before we get there, I do want to give a shout-out to IndyCar for doing another media bullpen on Friday. I published that Saturday morning. A Michael Shank interview was also done this weekend. And our partnership with HMD Motorsports, I interviewed team manager Mike Marini, who was very fun to talk to. Really gave some good insight on what it takes to run an Indy Lights team. But, yeah, I also did speak to Tatiana Calderon this weekend and that interview came out on Sunday morning, I think. And I do have to say, she is one of the nicest drivers I've ever spoken to. One of those drivers that her and her family comes up to you later in the weekend and says, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, just actually remember who you are. And and I I appreciate when drivers remember who little little people like us are in in the in the media world. But yeah, she she got the test with the. Having the same sponsor as as Bourdais and in, in, in Rocket and ran at the time was called Star Mazda about eight nine years ago. It's so running over in Super Formula and WEC this year. I believe her te- her her test she did seventy laps today. I'm I'm pulling up the actual numbers right now. So her she ran eighty seven laps with a best lap of one oh eight point nine eight 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 The average from practice one this weekend was a 1082 and conditions today were about 15 degrees hotter than practice. So this is the first time at Mid-Ohio, first time she's ever been in an in an Indy car. That's pretty damn impressive if you ask me. I'm I'm not saying you bring her to IndyCar now. I mean, I think it would be good to bring her to IndyCar, but I mean, that's that's damn impressive. Yeah, you know, I, I know she had J.R. Hildebrand was there today. I'm guessing Bourdais was probably there too. So she had some, some good teachers. But she, she, she did very well. She's got a good sponsor. Obviously, it looks like they want to get more involved in IndyCar, and I think she's very interesting to talk to. Super nice and and very very engaging. Just loves racing. So I think it's somebody that. Should be an IndyCar at some point, maybe.
2: Bring her to IndyCar now. Yeah, I mostly just said that because of you. Okay. <laughs> just said well, I'm not. But uh, yeah, she seems awesome and probably is significantly better than Khaled already. So that would be a massive upgrade. So could see that happening. We'll see. And what else happened today? Road America is extended. That's good news for us Road America Yay. lovers and uh, good, great for the series as a whole. A Roger Penske wants more ovals. Nothing new there. Another article came out with a Roger Penske quote. Another Roger Penske quote about a third manufacturer, which is our new drinking game. So if you have a beverage, coffee, water, or if something that you're drinking responsibly, go ahead and drink now. That wasn't really anything noteworthy in any of those. But, hey, there's a third manufacturer coming or something, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. Third manufacturer. The third engine manufacturer is going to mysteriously pop up at Homestead Raceway in the first race of the year, and nobody's going to know until everybody knows.
2: Let's get to our report card. We're going to do a mid-season, well, even though we're past mid-season, but we're in a good little break area break. here. Yeah, we're in a good summer break as the Olympics happen. Indy cars in Nashville the first week of August, so we got quite some time to kill here. So, We're going to do a report card. We're going to do kind of both a team and a driver uh, report card. And how that's going to work is we're going to start with the alphabetical first, AJ Foyt Racing. First off, we're going to break down their drivers, and then we're going to give the team a grade based off that. So let's start with alphabetically first, Dalton Kellett. What grade are you giving him on his season so far?
3: F. He literally hasn't done anything.
2: Okay. I also gave him an F. I liked your very calm rationale. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there is not a single positive thing I can say other than that he hasn't crashed a lot. So he's bringing the car home in one piece, but yeah, not great. What are you giving uh, Sebastian Bourdais, though? And so just uh, for the people at home, if you don't hear one of your favorite drivers being mentioned, we are sticking with drivers who have started uh, at least three races so far. So like Elio and Montoya and some of them will not be mentioned just because we don't have enough sample to go off of quite yet. So what are you giving uh, Sebastian on his day so far, or Sorry, his season so far?
3: I'll go with, like, a C. I think he's had some solid races, some not-so-solid races. Obviously, Texas was, was really out of his control. Needs to get a little bit more out of that car, but I don't think he's had a bad year, per se. So, a, a C.
2: I am going with a B minus. I think he's shown some good okay. pace in, in qualifying at certain areas, and I think he's outperforming the car just a little bit. So... Still waiting for kind of that one result to hang the hat on, but I think given where that team has been, some of his qualifying efforts this year have been borderline heroic. So with that being said, what would you give A.J. Foyt as a whole?
3: I would go with minus. C-. I think that is pretty much buoyed by the fact that Bourdais has done relatively well they had Hildebrand do relatively well at Indy. I know we're kind of driver-specific talking three races, but yeah, you know that that was good for the team. So I'll go. I'll go C minus.
2: I'm going with D plus. I think if you take away Bordet, it's an F. But uh, yes, because uh, Kimball getting bumped too is not not great for the team. But and it's just uh, another character-building year for the team at this point. Next, Andretti Autosport. Mm, this one might be tough. Where are you going with uh, Alexander Rossi?
3: C+. A couple top tens. Finally cracked into the top five this weekend. I don't think most of the ish Andretti issues are his fault. I think it's the team, but I, he hasn't had a great season.
2: I am a little kinder. I'm going with a B. I think there, again, is some sort of issue there that I don't feel is his doing. And there's a couple really bad circumstances at places like St. Pete in Texas that were really out of his control where he could have shown well. So I do want to see some improvement there. And I think mid-Ohio is a good starting point. But uh, I'm curious to see how the rest of the season is going to go. Colton Hurta.
3: B+, plus. he's he's 7th in points right now, and, and I think that's partially the first race of the year he got taken out. He's had a couple other uh, this weekend with the fueling issue that was totally out of control, but has a win, has a poll, has 4 top 5s and 4 top 10s in 10 races, so he's clearly the best Andretti best Andretti car right now, so B+. Plus.
2: I gave him an A-, I think he's Far and away, the leader of this team right now, uh, just on pace, yeah. and I think it's promising for him going forward. That this relationship seems to be going good. All right, Hinch, what are you giving Hinch? C minus. What? All right, I'm sorry. What? What do you? What do you?
3: I'm going to base it off of something that I think was your theory originally, in that this is the car and team that our pal Marco Andretti has run. So, is it the team or is it the driver? And I'm gonna place more of the blame on the team right now and say C minus.
2: You're not wrong, but it's hard for me to give him anything above a D minus. I think Santino's still beating him in points. <laughs> no. Oh, he's not by four. Oh, no. this, that sucks. Well, anyways, he's beating Santino by four, but I just. Uh, yes, I don't think it's the entry, but I also I don't I don't know. I could still expect a little more from the driver given the circumstances and you know, he's he's gotta show a little, I think, unless Genesis stays around for next year, but it sounds like he might be on his way out of Andretti Autosport and it's hard to follow. But if that n- if a driver comes in next year in that entry and is also terrible, then I think we can confirm what our suspicions are. Lastly from the Andretti stable Ryan Hunter Ray.
3: D. He's been pretty invisible most of the year. Doesn't really based on post you know, listening when he's when he talks, doesn't really seem like he's mentally in the game right now. So D. I
2: gave or I would have given him a C plus had he had finished Indy without messing up. But because he did, and because he's also been invisible everywhere, I have also given him a D. Where do you put therefore Andretti Autosport as a whole?
3: I'll go with a C. They've, and that's pretty much because Herda has carried the team for the most part this year. But, but by far, I I think the most disappointing team. This year
2: yes C minus and for me firmly out of the top three conversation for at least this year and it's something that they will need to earn back in my opinion
3: I agree so I'll I'll jump in here do the next two Arrow McLaren Felix Rosenquist you're great
2: D uh <laughs> just not what I was expecting uh there's been uh, obviously a couple things that's gone wrong with this season. Uh, But there have been a couple of things within Felix's control that have gone wrong. It started off the year on the bad foot with the qualifying mistake that led him to get collected in that first lap nonsense. So, to me, I need to see more. So, I'm giving him a D. Yeah,
3: I'm giving him a D, too. There hasn't been too much that's been impressive in in Felix's season. I hope he can turn it around. I, I do like him, so... We'll see there. Pato.
2: Hey, he has been very good. And carrying the team just like Herta and firmly within this championship fight, two wins, uh, kind of showing out for Chevy this year. So I really... And he's taking care of the equipment. So I really have nothing negative to say about Pato.
3: Yeah, I would go with an A too. Maybe A- minus, just because... And uh, No, we'll go with an A. He's, he's clearly... Shown that he is, you know, a, a clear rising star and championship contender for years to come. Now, the team grade. I gave
2: them a B. I still am a little sus about this second entry and if it's a team issue, but I think they are definitely on the upward trajectory to compete with the best. And I think a third car next year will help us kind of determine if it is the additional entries that are the problem or if that number seven driver is underperforming based on the last two years so i'll give him a b
3: yeah i'll go with b plus only uh, some of the strategy issues that plagued them last year and and held Pato from getting his first win last year have seemingly been resolved not perfect by any means and obviously the seven car still needs a lot of work so yeah i think we're we're pretty even there okay My pick for the worst team of the year in the preseason. Carlin. Max Chilton.
2: I'm giving him a D. I think if it wasn't for Road America, it would be an F. But um, it's still one of those I really just kind of want to walk up to their holler and then just ask somebody what's going on. And Trevor Carlin came out and said that they're still intent intent on being a IndyCar team for years to come. So that's positive. So – Makes me like them a little more. It's just uh, not. It's kind of another meh season from them, and nothing other than Road America to really build on.
3: Yeah, I for both Max and the team, and give and am giving them a D minus. with outside of that uh, top ten, they've been pretty dismal. I don't have much to add there. If you want to give another team grade, or we can move. Oh, on. No D is
2: good for me. All right, Chip Ganassi. I think our surprise of the season so far. Alex Palou, what grade are we giving him?
3: A+. Plus. I mean, you you wrote his season off before the season started. You said that 10 car stinks. He's going to he's going to be gone in a year and a half.
2: Yeah, I basically wrote his career off. Um to yeah. machine. Yeah. But yes, I also gave him an A+. Plus and it's been phenomenal to watch him race and just how fast and consistent he is and has barely put a wheel wrong all year. And is our championship leader going into this long break. Jimmy Johnson.
3: He's finishing – hey, he finished finished the race without spinning this weekend. (laughs) And he's holding his own and improving for the most part every weekend. But obviously he's also not done too much. So I don't know if that's too harsh, but I'll go with a D.
2: I'm giving him a D as well, and it's with the fullest confidence that I can least respect the fact that he doesn't give a shit what grade I give him. <laughs> so that makes me feel better about that, but uh, it was awesome to talk to him. I wish him the best. I think uh, this year is uh, an exploratory year for him. It'd be like me trying to take a French class and being fluent after four months. Like you just, there's just no way. So I hopefully we see that progress next year. That that is expected. Mark Sterickson. I'm
3: gonna go with a B. No B plus. Stop staying on my grades. Top five in points. Got his got a, got a win, two top fives, obviously a podium. So he's quietly becoming more and more impressive. And I think preseason—that's what we we were hoping for.
2: Yes, I have also given him a B plus. Uh, very very solid effort. Still lacking a tad bit on the ovals, but if there's ever a year to lack on the ovals, it would be this year since we only have four. So, but if the schedule doesn't Expand next year, we're gonna need to see a little more out of him. Scott Dixon,
3: B plus, Oof. feels like a slight, but it, yeah, he's third in points. I don't, I don't it's B plus. I'm, I'm not gonna explain. All right,
2: I give him an A minus. Uh, consistent, but not enough at the moment to get a championship going. So he's gonna have to do some, some little heroic and or capitalize on bad luck from the others to get this championship defense going. And lastly, from the Ganassi Stables, since he's done three rounds, Tony Kanan.
3: C, pretty quiet and not great, but didn't wreck.
2: I also gave him a C. Sample size is small. Wonder if he'll be back next year with the team. But if I had to guess right now, I'd say no, just with uh, Johnson maybe wanting to go full-time. But we shall see. So that leaves to what did you give Ganassi overall?
3: A. They're clearly the top team right now in any card. I also
2: gave him an A, and they are my top team in any card as well. Dale Coyne. Ed Jones. D minus. Damn.
3: Mr. Invisible.
2: I gave him a C minus. I only gave him a C minus just because there are several facets of that team that are clearly not helping him. And there are cases like Mid Ohio where that's just completely out of his control. Uh, But the races where he does have. A chance to succeed, he does not. So C minus needs to improve. Roman Grosjean,
3: A minus. He has completely surpassed, I think, all of our expectations. And we knew he was a better driver than what he was able to show in a Haas F1 car for the last couple years. But he's surprising everybody. He's loving IndyCar. He's great to talk to. All around, I have enjoyed Roman in IndyCar.
2: I also give him an A minus. He's a breath of fresh air and I hope he goes full time next season wherever that may be. And then lastly, Pietro Fittipaldi on his three oval starts.
3: D pretty unimpressive.
2: I gave him a C minus. I hope he gets the chance to race more to prove himself a little bit better. He did qualify really well for D, but was invisible there and Texas one, brought the car home, Texas two was involved in the melee, so uh, where do you give Dale Coyne Racing with Faster Sullivan Racing with Rick Ware Racing so far this year?
3: I'll I'll go C. I think outside of Grosjean they've been not so good, but they aren't the worst team on the grid. <laughs> there
2: you go. I also gave him a C. It's kind of concerning me how close we are on these grades.
3: Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, it is fun. I'm I'm glad my thoughts aren't completely insane. All right, we've got Ed Carpenter Racing. Let's start with Connor Daly.
2: Oh, this hurts. It's hard not to give him somewhere in the D range. So I went with D plus just because other than leading at the 500, there's not been a whole lot that's gone. I would imagine the way that he's wanted it to go so far this year. And he's being thoroughly outperformed by Arenas at just about every track. So D plus.
3: Yeah, I'm going D minus explanation-wise, pretty much the same. He's had nothing go his way outside of leading the laps at India this year. So, yeah, that's that's all I got on that one. All right.
2: Oh, sorry, go ahead. Ed Carpenter. I gave him a C. Not great, not terrible, kind of just another Ed year of nothing notorious happening.
3: Yeah, the Oval Specialist, Ed Carpenter, finished 11th in Texas Race 2. Finished fifth in Indy, which was good. Seventeenth in Texas race one. I'll I'll, yeah, I'll go with C minus. Indy saves him. Texas was pretty invisible and Gateway he had a good result a couple years ago at or was it last year? I can't rem- can't remember. Two years ago. I don't know. It doesn't matter. C minus for Ed. And Renus VK.
2: I am gonna go with a B plus. I think he's kinda carried that team this year, won the race obviously, which is super awesome. And uh Yeah, he's been uh breath of fresh air too and I hope he has good things coming in towards his future.
3: I'll go with a B. He's he's definitely carrying the team. Without without the without him their their team grade would be significantly lower. So speaking of that Team grade for Ed Carpenter. I'll go with C+. Plus.
2: Uh could be better, but it could be worse. But I did peg them as my worst team coming into the season, so they are outperforming that at least.
3: Yeah, I'll go with a C. I, I, VK's been pretty good for the most part. Otherwise, pretty not interesting. Okay. My last team I'll go through here. Oh, this is another easy one. Why do I always get the team with one guy? One guy. Uh, Jack Harvey, Meyer Shank Racing. So, just do both both of your grades at once. Meyer, Meyer
2: Shank giving a C C+, Jack Harvey, I'm giving abi minus. I hope that makes sense in people's heads. Just because I feel like Jack hasn't been set up to succeed at a couple of rounds. Uh, I think yeah. he's shown pace, but they still need to get everything in order for the whole operation to succeed.
3: I'm gonna go with a B for Jack. Same reason a C for the team because I think they've let him down more often than not. Obviously we are not talking about Elio in this case since he's only done two one round, two rounds, one round. So yeah, obviously that would be a different story.
2: Ray Hall Letterman. Graham Ray Hall. What are you giving him?
3: C plus. Ninth in points. Does have seven top tens in, in ten races, but doesn't have a win yet, doesn't have a pole. hasn't particularly qualified great most weekends, so C+. Plus.
2: I uh I think this is our biggest disagreement so far. I went with A-, just because he's been so consistently fast at every track, and I think the one thing keeping him down in P9 in the points was that crash at Indy. That was not his fault. I mean that's a 60-ish point swing one way or the other that could have bounced him up so uh i think he's had a, a pretty pretty gar- pretty darn good year uh santino
0: Ferrucci.
3: i'll go with a b+ i did not get paid to say that but he's got four top 10 finishes in 10 races so kind of like no matter what you think of him he's he's done pretty pretty good you know he he could clean up the qualifying a little bit and he's he's wrecked a few tubs yeah but four top 10s in in 10 in 10 races in four ra- races is is very impressive for a part-time driver.
2: Uh, I gave him a B. I think yes, he's done very well and I think he's you know submitting his resume for getting that seat next year. So last on the Ray Hall stable is Kim C
3: C-. He hasn't qualified well at all this year. I don't think he's qualified Maybe once in the fast twelve, twice. He does he does have a handful of top ten finishes, so you know, he has raced well. But I think if he qualified half decent half the time, he could be you know top six in the standings.
2: I gave him a C plus. I think could be better, could be worse. But to me, is being outshone by Ferrucci, which is not great for him or his. I don't know how the contract negotiations are going, but so. What would you give Ray Hall then, as a whole?
3: A B plus. I think they've, yeah, they they need to shore up some qualifying concerns, as as I've said a couple times now. But I think overall they've they've done pretty well this year, despite not winning a race.
2: Sames, B plus. Last but not least, Team Penske, Joseph Newgarden, got off to an F start at Barber, but how's he done since then in the whole season?
3: I'll go with an A minus. He really, theoretically, could have won three races in a row with issues not of his own doing, and is still fourth in the championship. A win, three poles, three poles in a row, five top five finishes, seven top tens and ten races, so yeah.
2: I said a minus. I think he has had a couple of results just robbed from him, but has kind of rebounded and put himself squarely in this championship fight. So that's promising. Scott McLaughlin.
3: C. I think he's had moments where he's looked really good, moments where he's looked like a rookie, and I think we'll average them out to a C.
2: I agree with the C assessment. It could be better, could be worse, but uh, it's kind of one of those where we need to see... Sorry, my dog is saying hi in the background there. Hi, Indigo. Did you pick up the squeakiest toy you could find? Is it a Scott McLaughlin thing, you think, or what? I say his name and the dog goes ballistic. What is that about?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gotta love when that happens. I'll, yeah, I, I think Scott has the talent to do well. I asked Rick Mears and he still fully believes in Scott, so... I feel like if you have the attention of, if you have the respect of Rick Mears, you're probably a pretty good race car driver. My dad disagrees with me. My dad thinks McLaughlin stinks, but that's he's an old. So what can you Do you expect?
2: think Rick Mears has any respect for us?
3: I hope so. I mean, he, he does say hi to me.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. That's a win. All right. Simon Pagano.
3: C. No wins, no polls. Sixth in the standings based on his podium at Indy, I think. He got the double points, but not the greatest season, but he still is six in the points, so he's he's not having a terrible year by any means. Just kind of quiet.
2: Yes, I have given him a B, actually, just because I do think that while he hasn't had the most consistent of seasons, he has shown out at a couple of places like St. Pete and Indy, which is important. Last but not least, Will Power, <laughs> your favorite.
3: I'm going with the C. He's he's under a lot of pressure right now, even after signing that contract extension, but only two top fives in ten races, no wins, no pole positions. Obviously, he got robbed of a win by a computer issue in his car in the first Detroit race, but you know, this weekend he forced it when he didn't need to, so yep.
2: I gave him a B minus. I think he has had some misfortunes come his way, but I think pace has still been there. on as a whole, at most tracks, um, Indy was pretty devastating for the point standing, but um, doing all right. And then last, what would you give Team Penske's grade? I see a lot of C's on your side.
3: I'm gonna go with a B for the team. Garden really helps them. pagino's consistency of good solid points finishes helps. Power definitely is not helping the team grade right now.
2: <laughs> I give him B plus, so that would put them tied for second on mine. Um which is kind of weird because, you know, I think I think I gave Ray Hall Letterman a better grade than Errol McLaren SP just because I think Ray Hall's doing a great job of what they have. But I do think the big three right now is still Ganassi, Penske, and McLaren. Um, so, yeah, that's our report card. Uh, do we have anything else to talk about?
3: No, I, I don't think so. There's there's not too much news-wise. We'll, we'll do some fun content over the next couple of weeks while we don't have any races to talk about. I'm sure Silly Season will start heating up soon. I think probably in the next few weeks you know, we'll probably get a couple more Oval rumors and Engine rumors to pop up, but
2: I think, uh, yeah, a run the rumor has popped up is a certain David Lighting might be joining us next week.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll have some guests over the next, guest hosts over the next month, and yeah, Nashville's just under a month away. I'm really excited to be there, but until then, guys, we'll be back next week, and I don't know. We'll we'll have to see where lighting leads us. I'm always a little nervous because he gets very creative, which is a good thing. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Should be some hot takes coming. So we'll hope to see you guys there uh, when we do that episode.
3: Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely weekend. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get. When you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster you can apply to immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience, go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there.